This Jesus that we sing about tonight is real and alive and living even now. And because he's alive and living now and because he's Jesus and loves sinners and loves to reconcile people who are far off from God back to God, he's still at work. He's still doing that. Many, many, many of us in this room are evidence that he is still at work, still pursuing, still reconciling, still healing. Throughout the Gospels, when this Jesus touches somebody's life and heals them, it's almost as if uh, he makes them public property, and their story's public property. You see him meeting with the woman at the well, and this very private, intimate story, Jesus heals her, he forgives her, and she goes back to a town that had shamed her, and she tells them the good news of Jesus. Blind people, paralyzed people, sinners stuck in their sin meet Jesus and talk about Jesus and what he has done in their lives. We already belong to him to begin with, but when he redeems us and makes us new, it's almost as if he owns us twice. And if our lives are public property, there for others' sake and there to demonstrate his goodness. And that's true of us in the room as well. Um, Tonight, and at the end of every semester, we have a senior share. Some of our graduating seniors who come up and speak on behalf of their class. In just a second, um, Bella Kerbers is going to come up and speak on behalf of some of our December grads, which includes Bella and Marshall. And I can't, there's Marshall. Marshall Danner and Robert Becky. And I don't know where any of you are sitting. And Trigvy McDonald, I think, back there and Katie Lemon, who's uh, going to stick around a little bit longer, but I guess is technically graduating. Same with Anna Mercer at Willingham, graduating, but thankfully sticking around a little longer with grad school. And watching on live stream from D.C., Andrew Yunt, who is graduating in a couple of weeks, and will be back soon from his internship. And if I forgot to mention your name, I deeply apologize with weird graduation dates in grad school. Um, please forgive me. But Bella speaks on your behalf tonight, too. So, Bella, wherever you are, would you come up and share a recent testimony of Jesus' work in your life? The floor is yours. Y'all, Ben's trying to make me cry before I even get started, so it's kind of not fair. Um, Hey, y'all. I'm Bella. And I'm up here to give, you a glimpse in, to give you a glimpse into how the Lord has worked in my life. There is a lot more to my story than what I'm going to share in the next five minutes, but I hope this will allow you to better understand me and better understand our God. So this past spring break, I, along with other RUF and UGA students, got the chance to go to Israel and explore the Holy Land. It was the trip of the lifetime, but also the most exhausting experience I've ever had. On one of our last days exploring Jerusalem, my patience was running thin, and as we were walking in between sites, Morgan Anger, the head pastor at Good Shepherd and also a really good friend of mine, pulled off to the side, and he was just looking at rocks, and I was like, dude, what are we doing? And I, I knew we had somewhere to be, and I'm the type that's not afraid to tell Morgan we have somewhere to be. So I'm like, Morgan, why are we stopping here? He looked at me, and he goes, well, don't you know what happened here? I'm like, rocks. Like, again, I'm not, not getting it. And he looks at me and he says, well, this is the spot where Jesus said this. This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. 
That's John 11:4. My impatience and quickness to speak was instantly halted, and I felt like a knife had absolutely cut through me. This interaction with Morgan in this Bible verse changed my mentality as I returned home from Israel and had to face my toughest battle yet. For almost a decade, I have been sick with many unclear diagnoses followed by ineffective treatments. With more than just second opinions, combined with medicine doing more harm than good, I had chosen to live many years suffering silently and just living from flare-up to flare-up. It was around this time last year that my quality of life was so low, I felt I had no other option than to reevaluate my health and once again try to figure out what was going on. Took many tests over many months, got some answers, and decided on a treatment plan that would begin immediately upon my return from Israel. This past year, my life has been consumed by my own awareness of how sick I was and have continued to be. I had forced myself for years to just toughen up, to push down the pain, forced myself to believe that my pain was a weakness and that I had to be strong in order to be worthy. I thought that being sick was an inconvenience to others and a burden that I had to carry on my own. I struggled to find hope in my situation and felt isolated from everyone around me. Thankfully, we do not have a God that requires us to be strong in order to be worthy. We have a God that gave us his son so that he would suffer for our sins and grant us access to his throne. God used this past year to show me he will never give up on pursuing his children, and he does not let us suffer alone. There were many days where my symptoms were so draining, I was practically bedridden and fought to gather the strength to go to class and come to RUF. In those moments, I used a trick I learned from a previous senior share that taught me how to understand and visualize what it means for Jesus to feel our emotions with us. So, as I often wept in pain, I would physically picture Jesus sitting beside me, offering up a shoulder to cry on. In spaces like this, where I would become overwhelmed from masking my pain, I would think of how Jesus would see right through the mask. He would leave the crowd, and he would come check on me. God was gracious in showing me the power of vulnerability. He would no longer let me hide my condition from those closest to me. He did not give me the energy or mental capacity to continue acting as if everything was okay. He provided me with access to his heart through his children. He gave me friends that embody the grace, love, and empathy that Christ possesses. These friends, each of which are sitting in this room, showed me what it means to be fully known. When I couldn't carry my burdens, they picked them up and walked beside me. They never considered my vulnerability as a weakness. Instead, they thanked God for finally letting me allow people in to tell my story and to know my story. God gave me Casey Ashton, my greatest mentor. She wept beside me, held me, and was one of the strongest sources of encouragement. He gave me Ben, who prayed for me and let me know that my relationship with God in this time was supernatural. And God prepared this way for me back on spring break when he intentionally had me sass Morgan only to be told the truth about our God. He made me this way so that Jesus would be glorified. In the good and the bad in our lives, we are not made to be alone. That has never been a part of his plan. We were made to know Jesus. He wants us to let him into our darkest places and ask for his mercy. He plans our lives so that we would grow closer to him and understand his heart. While I wouldn't wish my past year upon anyone, I also wouldn't trade it for anything. It's through my illness and ongoing healing process that I now better understand our good and faithful Father. 
He has provided me with a picture of true faith and forced me to surrender to his will. He allowed me to see that my only hope in life is Christ. In fact, in my worst days, when I didn't know why I had to be the one going through this pain, I would pray out to God a simple prayer, because that's all it takes. I would say, God, all I can hope for is that somehow Jesus is glorified through this. As I wrap up, I would like to read with y'all parts of my favorite psalm, Psalm 126. It says this, Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. My friends, we have been promised a joyous ending to our story. When laughing and singing or when crying and trying to get through each day, we can turn to each other and say, the Lord has done great things. I think back on my time at UGA, the good and the bad, and can only say God has done great things. I learned who he is. And I learned who he is through laughing on the jouch with my roommates. By studying, which means talking, and often crying at all the local coffee shops with my best friends. By celebrating football wins in Sanford Stadium. By finding community at Good Shepherd and in local church. Through worshiping every week in this room. And ultimately, by surrendering to our God and his plan for me. I am honored to have gotten to know so many of you in this room over the past three and a half years. While it is very likely my friends and I will weep tonight as my time at RUF ends, we're crying because we can say the Lord has done great things. The Lord has done great things for us, for me, for you, for this ministry, and it doesn't stop tonight. It only gets better. So on that note, let's return to singing some songs of joy because our Savior has come. Thank you.